0: what's up guys and welcome back to another episode of back pocket topics i'm cooper and i'm scott um so today guys is going to be our version of an nba preview it's our first episode talking about the nba and basketball um and now that the nba is starting we're going to shift our focus from purely football and maybe start to talk about a little bit of a other sports too
1: Yeah, so I'm excited to get started with basketball because I love basketball and it's one of the most exciting sports there is. But today we're going to start off with just breaking down our top 10 teams in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. These aren't like uh, um, predictions for like the standings. They're going to be like the top 10 teams in the league. Like if the playoffs were to start in like a month, give these teams a month to warm up, if the playoffs were to start, who do we think is going to win and what's that ranking? Like, every team at its full go. We're not going to – like, because some teams don't try as hard in the regular season or just injuries are going on at the start of the season or whatever. But, like, this episode is going to be starting off with just the best teams in the, NFL, in the NBA. And we're going to start off with the Eastern Conference. Um, starting off at number one. Cooper, I'll let you start us off.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll start us off in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, yeah, I mean, just to start off, I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible. Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, in my opinion, is the most dominant player in the entire NBA. Um, He's obviously one of the top three to five guys in this league. Uh, He's a game changer. Every single minute he's on the floor, he impacts every play, whether it's offensively or defensively. Um, you know, last year, the Bucks made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, even with Chris Middleton getting injured. Um, they've got a solid big three with Giannis and Chris, who I just mentioned, and also Drew Holiday. And they've got a pretty solid bench, too. A lot of good role players. I don't know. I think the Bucks have a real good shot at uh, making it, it to the finals this year.
1: Yeah, so obviously Giannis, he's the best player in basketball. I don't think that's a hot take at all. But I also think that players like Drew Holiday – and Chris Middleton are incredibly valuable to this team as well. Like they're they're both all stars in their own right. I think Drew Holiday is one of the more underrated players in the league. He's a top two or three guard defender in the in the league, while also being a very strong offensive player. And Chris Middleton is one of the more efficient shot creators. And I, I honestly am surprised he's not more he's not overrated as a player because some of the shots and shot creation um, created shot creation that he can do is like. Literally up there with like Devin Booker and players like that who can make this their mid-range game and make some tough shots. That like he literally plays in the exact mold of a player that would generally get overrated, like a player like Bradley Beal or a player like Devin Booker, in my opinion. And it's just surprising that he's not more overrated. But I think Chris Middleton is an All-Star level player, and just the Bucks as a whole team. I think their defense is going to be one of the best in, in the NBA. And their offense is obviously going to be great. So I think that, and also they're just proven and very experienced in general. So there's a safe, strong pick for the number one team in the Eastern Conference.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've got guys like Grayson Allen, um, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Wesley Matthews, all of them role players, some of them coming off the bench. And last year, I honestly think that they had a better chance of making it to the finals than the Celtics. I think that they might have been a better team than the Celtics before the Chris Middleton injury. Because really, I mean, we both mentioned how Giannis is probably the best player in the NBA. But down the stretch in games, it's always Middleton. That's the guy that's taking the shots. And they just didn't have that last year. And yeah, like you said, they're proven.
1: Yeah, so I guess now we'll move on to the the, our number two team in the Eastern Conference. And my number two team has changed because... It would have been the Celtics, but I just don't know what to do with them because of Ime Adelko.
0: That's exact, yeah, exactly but, the same with me.
1: My number two team as a result is the Philadelphia Stanley Sixers. I think that might be a little bit of a weird take. I'm not sure, but I just think James Harden is probably going to have a bounce back year. I think that offensively he's going to be a little bit more efficient and just this offense in general is going to be a little bit more, is going to be stronger and more efficient as a whole. And I think that this team has just gotten stronger overall, and their depth is very good in general as well. Like you've got you bring in PJ Tucker, who's going to be a very good three and D, especially defensive guy to strengthen up this defense and pl- almost play play a role. Like you're going to lose some defense when you lose Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons didn't play last year, so you're just going to gain defense in PJ Tucker. But, like PJ Tucker is going to play that similar role probably defensively. And then also Joel Embiid, just a defensive monster, as well as an offensive superstar. One of the best players in the NBA. And I just think that this team is going to be one of the – I think they're going to have a good bounce back year despite having kind of a mediocre season last year.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. My number two team uh, was the Sixers as well. I mean, everybody knows how good Joel Embiid is, like how dominant he can be offensively. What a great rim protector he is defensively. He hauls rebounds. However, like you said, I personally think that this season for the Sixers completely falls into the hands of James Harden. If James Harden can get even anywhere near to the level he was playing at um, back in Houston, it's over for the rest of the league. I'm not sure if James still has that in him, but if he can get back to being that player who can give you 20, 26, 27 a night, can spread the ball to his um, teammates, and he might not play the best defense, but that's all right. He does it all offensively. Um, Tyrese Maxey is a young star. He's developing in this league. He's a great player. Like you mentioned, they picked up P.J. Tucker in the offseason. They got uh, Montrose Harrell and Danul House. Um I think Matisse Theibel is a pretty good defensive player, along with P.J. Tucker and Joel. And, yeah, I mean, not only do the Sixers have, like, those two big guys and Joel and James, but they also have a really deep bench. And I think that's something that really sets apart, like, the top-tier contenders and just, like, teams who are going to maybe fizzle out in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, the the teams who have success in the playoffs are, are always the teams with the most depth. Because by that time in the season, everyone's all beat up, everyone's like injured, and you really the depth really matters in the playoffs. Even though you do have a shorter rotation, the depth at that point just really matters a ton. So you can't have a team that's only six, seven guys deep. You need a, you need a team that's going to be able to have nine, ten guys that they're going to be confident playing. And the Sixers are definitely one of those teams.
0: Right. So, yeah. Um, so I can start us off for, with, uh, my third best team, in the East. Um, and I'm gonna go with the Boston Celtics. I do think that the whole debacle with their coach, Ime Doku, uh, could hurt them and it, it probably will hurt them. I'm sure there's tension in the Celtics building and all that. Um, but they are still coming off a finals run. They won the Eastern conference. They competed with the Golden State Warriors in the finals. Sure. They ended up losing. But it was, like, I'd consider it a very successful season. Um, you know, uh, the same old, same old, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to carry the load offensively. But they are going to have more help this year. They acquired, uh, uh, what's uh, Malcolm Brogdon from the Pacers. Um, he's a very talented point guard. Uh, obviously, they still have Marcus Smart, who might not do as much on the offensive end, but is one of the best um, on-ball defenders in the entire NBA. Uh, they've got Peyton Pritchard. He's pretty solid. Um, and then Robert Williams, I think, is a piece that's very, very underage for the Celtics and their success. He plays great defense down there in the post. However, he is out for the first 10 weeks, I believe, of the season with an injury. But they did sign Blake Griffin and Al Horford, uh, two aging big men. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm I think the Celtics... Horford's
1: name. Come on.
0: He's old. He's old. He's good. He's, he's, he's good. He's a really he good player, old. though. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I, I do think that if one thing is going to hurt the Celtics, it's going to be that big man depth.
1: Um, I'll get to the Celtics in a minute. They're my number four team. But I'm just going to quickly go with my number three team. Like, I'm a little bit less sure about this team, but I'm going to go with number three, the Brooklyn Nets. They obviously have superstar uh, offensive players. They've got offensive firepower left and right. Um, And adding Ben Simmons is obviously going to help their defense, which has been their main concern. And just overall, I think that defensively, they've improved adding guys like Ben Simmons, adding guys like Royce O'Neal, and just getting depth in general with players like TJ Warren. Um, Seth Curry's going to be there for a full season now. And... This team has depth. It has offensive super pop, superpowers. And, like, when you add those two things, typically that means postseason, su- post-season success. And, like, yeah, it's a little bit concerning that they're going to have two non-shooters in their starting lineup with Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton. But I think they can probably make some make that work somehow with, like, like me personally, I would probably run Ben Simmons at the five. Because with, the, with uh, Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons on the floor, you're going to have enough height and size, and I don't, that only probably hindered you against like the superstar centers, like Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Um, if you go against the Timberwolves, like that's when it's gonna hurt you. But for the most part, I think against most teams, um, running Benson at the five would be more effective. Like look at the, look at the Warriors. They have many, a lot of lineups where they have their death, their death lineup has Draymond Embiid at the five and they're so successful. I think running Ben Simmons at the five would just be so much more impactful for them. I don't know if they're going to do it, and they, but I think they should. And even if they don't, I think that because of the amount of shooters they have on the team outside of Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton, like they've got Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, TJ Warren, Royce Neal can shoot a little bit. Like they've got a ton of, sh- of like 40 plus percent shooters. And it's going, I think that they'll, they're still going to be really good. Like, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of, like, oh, the Nets might blow up in their face, like they like they have done in the past. But, like, I'm just not confident enough in the Celtics um, right now because because of the email Doku stuff. And I, don't know, I think that the Nets are a good team, and they have a lot of potential, but they also could, they're a little riskier, and they could blow up. But now... I'll quickly move on to my to the number four team with the Celtics, just because Cooper already talked about them. I'll just add a couple of things. Um so yeah, obviously main thing, no head coach. I'm just a little worried. That's why they would be number two, if not even challenge for number one, if they didn't have um like yeah. I don't know. Like it's probably not gonna be number
0: one, but like they would definitely challenge for number one if they don't they don't have a Giannis, that's all I'm gonna say. But they yeah, don't they, have a they Giannis. would be up there with the Sixers for sure.
1: But they do have a, they do have depth. I think they've got more depth than the um, than the Bucks do, and like their guard depth is incredible. I think that they got Marcus Smart, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Payne Fritcher, Jalen Brown to play some shooting guard. Like their guard depth, not gonna be a problem at all. Their forwards, they've got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown can play there. They've got Grant Williams, and like if you want to run Blake Griffin at the four, you can. not like so, they're good there. And I, and you mentioned that their um, big man depth isn't great, but like, I'm a huge Al Horford fan. I think Al Horford is a very good defender. He can spread the floor and shoot pretty well. Like, not he's not like a 40 percent shooter or anything, but like, he is dangerous from three, like we saw in the postseason. Um, and then but and then he's also just a really versatile and really good defender. Like, he can probably guard like in a pin, like the reason why the Boston Celtics defense was so good last year was because they switched everything on and off the ball. And by switching everything, by having the personnel to do that, because they had no weaknesses defensively last year, none whatsoever. Um, And like, which is why I'm um, adding Malcolm Brogdon is going to be really good for them because he's going to give them a little more offensive playmaking, which is something they definitely needed while also maintaining their defense. Cause Malcolm Brogdon is a plus defender. Um, but then back to their def- their defense, like, they're switching everything defense was able to keep Robert Williams in the paint and utilize Robert Williams' elite rim protection. Like, Robert Williams is a top-eight center in the league, probably, and he's incredible, really versatile, really switchable, and just this Boston Celtics defense is incredibly switchable overall. But at the same time, the reasons why I think that they have – there's a little bit of questions in why I put them at number four – like I said, their coach. And also, I think that both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can be a little bit too, like, ISO heavy and just, like, can, like, chuck up some weird shots. Like, I think they're really good players. They're really good. Like Jason Tatum's a top 10 player. Jalen Brown's a top 25 player, top 22 player. But I think they're not a superstar. They're not a Giannis. They're not a Joel Embiid. Like, I'm just, like, a little bit more hesitant. They're not a Kevin Durant. But, like. And without a head coach, like, yeah, we're going to have a full season to, like, get, like, underway before, like, the playoff basketball starts. But, I don't know, just got a little bit of question marks there. But, yeah, Cooper,
0: uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with a lot of what you just said. I think that the reason that the Celtics eventually ended up crumbling against the Warriors in the finals last year was what you just mentioned about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown trying to play iso ball instead of really spreading the wealth offensively and that kind of segues me into my number four team the Nets I think the past couple of seasons you touched on it people have been hard and harsh on the Nets um, they've had the superstars they've had obviously they still have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant despite all the drama over the offseason um they used to have James Harden but they obviously traded him away but what I think is different about this year's Nets team and what in my mind, makes them like a true creme de la creme contender is the fact that they actually have bench death now. Like you mentioned, they brought in guys like TJ Warren. They brought in guys like uh, Royce O'Neal. They have Joe Harris. They have Seth Curry. They have all these guys that can actually come in and make a positive impact on the game, which is something that I think that they sacrificed In an effort to get James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie all teamed up at the same time. And now that they actually have the bench depth to go along with those obviously two superstars, Kyrie and KD, I think that that makes the Nets really, really, really scary. You did mention the lack of overall defense, and I think that that's definitely something to look out for. But they did get Ben Simmons. He's a great defender. He can guard most players in the league which is pretty impressive um and i would say that nicholas Claxton is going to have to make a pretty serious jump if the nets want to really compete with teams like the sixers and bucks just because of their like joel Embiid. and and yeah, ben simmons can try all he wants to guard Giannis. i just don't think he'll be able to do it by himself
1: yeah, you need a strong rim protector in order to be able to guard teams like that. And Nicholas Claxton, at this point in time, he's a top twenty center. Maybe he's maybe that's even pushing it. Like yeah. he's a decent defender, decent mob threat, but he's not what you want when you're guarding Benson, uh, not Benson. when you're guarding Giannis and Joel Embiid. So yeah,
0: for sure. And I think that like we mentioned at the beginning of our episode that we're doing this based off of the best teams. Not like our regular season standing pred- predictions. Just because like teams like the Nets, yeah, they might not win a ton of games or as many games as you'd think in the regular season. Just because like Kevin Durant sometimes take time, sometimes takes time off, and Kyrie's got whatever Kyrie's got going on at the time. Um, but they're still obviously a super super dangerous team when it's going to come to the postseason.
1: Yeah, and then now that's a perfect segue into my number five team. On the flip side of that, the Miami Heat are a team that are going to outperform in the regular season, and then I don't think they're as serious of title contenders as their seeding is going to make it look like. Like last year, they were the number one seed in the East, I believe, and they were a very good team in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler went crazy, but at the same time, we knew they weren't really going to be a true title contender. At least that's what I thought. And then like but let's just go back to Miami Heat and let's talk about their pros real quick. Like the Miami Heat have veteran experience all over the place. Eric Skolstra has so much experience and is one of the best coaches in the NBA. Kyle Lowry has a ton of experience, has a ton of experience and is going to be like he's a very good, solid point guard. Jimmy Butler, a ton of experience just overall. Like this team is just so um, weathered in the playoffs, and they just know they know how to act in the playoffs, and then also they have a ton of depth. Like, this is their bench right now. They've got Gabe Vincent, Victor Oladipo, Duncan Robinson, Max Strus, and like just just that alone is incredible depth. Like, and then their starting lineup, they've got Tyler Harrow, who might have is probably going to get like 20 points per game, like he did last year, and just be a strong guy. And they've got Bam Adebayo, who's one of the most underrated players in the NBA, in my opinion. He's such a switchable defender. The dude can practically guard from one to five while also like he can guard. He's probably the only player in the NBA who can guard um, Joel Embiid while also being able to hold his own. I'm not saying he's going to be able to lock him down, but hold his own on a guard like Trey Young for a possession. Like he's, Trey Young is going to be really good against him, obviously. But, like, if you needed to switch on, like, a ball screen or something, he's going to be able to hold his own, and Trae not going to be able to just abuse him. That's like he would Like he would be able to against uh, Nikola Vucevic or something. <laughs> um, yeah. But, like, and also, like, but the only problem with the Heat is that I just don't think that they la- that they have a really elite offensive option, and as a result, they're just not going to be able to get, um, get past teams like the Bucs, like the Sixers, like the... Celtics even, but I think they're going to be very strong and very successful in the regular season and just in the playoffs. They're probably win round one against like a uh, seventh seed or something. But then, um, once the uh, once they have to play a team like the Celtics, who say struggled a little bit in the regular season, end up with a fifth or sixth seed, and then they have to play them round two, and then the Celtics end up beating them or something like
0: that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Heat weren't my uh fifth place team but i will give my two cents on the team in general i feel like the heat are a team that just frustrates me as like a enjoyer of the nba in general because they could be so good if they just had that one premier offensive option and they've been one piece away it feels like since their bubble run um when they made it to the finals and lost to the lakers I think that if this offseason they had went and tried and pushed their hardest to get a guy like Donovan Mitchell, they would by far and away be one of the top contenders in the entire NBA. That would be scary. Yeah, exactly. And they just haven't haven't done anything like that. I mean, Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero are your two main offensive options. I think Kyle Lowry's age is really starting to get to him, so that's a little concerning. And I don't know. I, I do agree with you that, that they have a really good bench. Um, and good depth, which is going to help them win a lot of regular season games, but they just don't have the star power to compete in the finals. I can understand that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. A team, however, who has, uh, the capabilities to win an NBA championship, in my opinion, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs are a team that from the tip, their starting lineup is going to have four potential all-stars. Darius Garland was an all-star last year. Donovan Mitchell is an Um, all-star. Evan Mobley um, is one of the best rising stars in this league. He could very well be an all-star this season. He's great defensively and offensively. And then Jared Allen was an all-star last year as well. Overall, I think that this Cavs team was really exciting to watch and root for last season because they were a bit of an underdog. They had that underdog mentality but now I don't see any huge weaknesses across this team. They've got the young stars. They've got Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley. They've got veteran presence in Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio, Robin Lopez, I guess. Um, <laughs> and they've got a. They're a great defensive team with Jared Allen as a rim protector and Isaac Okoro, who could make a case for being that fifth starter, him or Kevin Love. Um, and I I really think that they're just a well-rounded team. They've got Karis Levert coming off the bench. He can get you a bucket. And I just feel like this lineup is good enough to compete with the top dogs. And I think that because they've never been to that deep in the playoffs, like that stage, they might not be as experienced, but I think they're going to want it more than a lot of these top teams and be super scrappy, which is always dangerous.
1: Yeah. I have the caps at six. So like we just have the caps and heat flip flop, unless you don't have the heat at six,
0: but like, no, I do. Yeah, um, I've okay. got the Heat at six. Yeah.
1: Okay. So the, I've got the Cavs at six, and I agree with, with what you said. They're gonna—they have a lot of firepower. They obviously—they got four all-stars, like you said, which it, they're gonna be a very, very, very fun team to watch and also play within two K, in my opinion. And for sure. Um, <laughs> um, but I just think the reason I have them at six is because, A, this team just got together. Really, it's gonna be interesting to see how Donovan Mitchell um gets is able to work with Darius Garland because they're both guys that need the ball in their hands a lot. And while Donovan Mitchell did have Mike Conley um, to play point guard, it almost felt like Donovan Mitchell was the more ball was the ball dominant guy. He was quote unquote the point guard. He had the ball in his hands more often than Mike Conley did. And like, it's the same way. um, And Darius Garland also likes to have the ball in his hands. And like, you can say, oh, Darius Garland played with Colin Sexton. He knows how to play off the ball or whatever, but no, Darius Garland, like last last year, a Darius Garland's a completely different player last year than he was earlier in his career. And Colin Sexton didn't play too much last year. And even when he did, um, Darius Garland was far and away the more ball-dominant player and the guy who had the ball in his hands. It's just going to be a little interesting to see how two ball-dominant guys are going to be able to blend together like that. But they'll probably figure it out by the um, postseason, or at least they should. And then they'll be a very fun and dangerous team to watch but also another part that I'm a little bit iffy on is like, is I don't think they have as much depth as some other teams, um, as some other teams do. Cause like, I mean, like I'm personally not the biggest fan of Kevin Love at this point in his career. Like you mentioned Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio hasn't played basketball in like a couple years. It feels like he feels like he's like his body's like just falling apart. He's pretty injured right now. And um, Kevin Love on the other hand, um, is on, on the same spectrum as like an old like aging player who just he's a true negative on defense while being like probably a neutral on offense at best and like i'm just not the biggest fan of him right now and while you and like this kind of segues into the next um question i have with them is like they don't have much experience at all you mentioned how that'll just give them a oh, more fight more want when it, when it comes to the playoffs but like I feel like all teams have that when it comes to the playoffs. Like, that's what makes playoff basketball so much more fun. And I think that the lack of experience, like having their only two guys with experience being bench players, board, um, borderline, like, rotation guys with Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio, I just think is a little bit, it's just, I think with their starters just not having much playoff experience at all, like, even Donovan Mitchell I don't, hasn't really made it, like, hasn't really played the best in the playoffs and hasn't seen the most success in the playoffs when he has played apart from the bubble. And I don't know, I'm just, I just have a couple of question marks there, but they're definitely a very fun team. Very, um, they definitely have a lot of potential and a lot of firepower that I, I could see them being like the fourth or fifth best team in the East at, at the highest, but also I just have a couple of question marks and a little bit more faith in say the Miami Heat.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are all fair points. Um, yeah, we already touched on how our fifth and sixth place teams were flip-flopped. Um, I, I said uh, enough as like, I want to say about the Heat. Nothing really about them. It's really intriguing to me. Um, however, I can get us started with my seventh place team. Um, not seventh place, sorry. Seventh best team uh, in the Eastern Conference. And you had mentioned how the Heat are a pretty fun team to watch. I feel like this team is kind of like the opposite of fun, which sounds bad. But what I really mean is that they're fundamentally sound. They play good team defense. They're well coached. And I've got the Toronto Raptors. I've got them Um, at seven as well. Yeah. So Scotty Barnes is a player that I'm about as confident in Scotty Barnes becoming the next big superstar as any young rising star in the league. Um, I'd put him up there with Evan Mobley. Obviously, uh, I think he's the truth. He can he can do it all. He can do it all on the court. He plays great defense. He um, got better as the season went on last season at creating his own offense, which is something I would imagine he would be able to improve upon this season as well. They still got um, Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet, who are two um, very talented basketball players. I, I would say they're stars. They're, they're stars in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: uh, go ahead. I uh, I yeah, I just gonna say maybe not they're low level stars, like sub they're sub all star level players.
0: Sure. Yeah, Pascal Siakam might be a little more well rounded than Van Vliet. Um he plays pretty good defense, uh, while Van Vliet is morely more offensive focused. Um but they've got role players like Gary Trent, O.J. Ananobi. Um, they brought in Otto Porter, who won a championship with the Warriors uh, last season. And, yeah, I mean, like I already said, they're just well coached. And they're, they might not have as many highlight reel plays as some of the other teams in this conference. However, I don't think that they're going to make a ton of mistakes to put themselves out of games. If you want to beat the Raptors... You have to beat them yourself by playing good basketball because they're not going to beat themselves and that's pretty important
1: yeah i definitely agree with all of that i like or at least 90 percent of that like and i think this just boils down to nick nurse being the best coach in basketball right now at least in my opinion and totally fair like nick nurse best coach in basketball they have a lot of depth with like and a really good role players but like I, you said Scotty Barnes, you're confident of him being the next, like, superstar player in the league, and, like, I think Scotty Barnes is a really good player, but I just have a hard time seeing him emerge as, like, a top 15 player in the NBA. I think he's always, I think his ceiling is more like someone, like, um. I think he's kind of like Pascal Siakam, but I think they're kind of similar players. Like, I don't know, like, I think that, they're. They, I think Pascal Siakam's around the 20, 20th to 25th best player in the NBA. Um, and I think that that's, I think that Scotty Barnes can probably be a top 20 player in the NBA, but like I just have a hard time seeing him being a superstar, but maybe that's just because he's a young player and you just have more faith in him than I do. But like, I don't know. But just going back to the Raptors, they're just a really well coached team and a great defensive team that just limits mistakes. And um, Fred Van Lee did have an incredible year last year. And I, I think we should see him go come a little bit, come back down to earth a little bit. But he's still a very good player, and I think this team is just very solid all around, and just gonna they're gonna avoid mistakes and be well coached and very good defensively.
0: Yeah, for sure, definitely uh, hit the nail on the head right there. I yeah, like we said, well coached, good defense, whatever. I just don't think they have enough talent to really seriously be considered as a team that could win the finals. Um. Do you want to start us off with your eighth place team or eighth best team?
1: Sure. My eighth best team in the Eastern Conference is the Chicago Bulls. I think that the Chicago Bulls, they've just struggled a ton with injuries. And it's just been kind of annoying. Like, you've got Lonzo Ball, who's just hasn't been able to play healthy at all since he arrived in Chicago. And if we had Lonzo, I'm saying we because Cooper and I both like the Bulls. But um, Lonzo Ball... He could be so good for this offense. He could be he's he's a playmaker that we need. I think this team just lacks that level of passing and playmaking that Lonzo would definitely bring. And I just I don't have faith that Lonzo's gonna be able to stay healthy and we already he's and just there's that question mark that's just gonna make this a little bit harder. And then also like Damar like had like an unreal, like weirdly good season after having a couple of bad seasons before that and Like, just, like, he kind of, like, shot back up to, like, Toronto-level Damar. And, like, I think he's probably going to come back down to earth a little bit um, this season. Like, I don't think, like, he's a good player. He was a top 20 player last year. And this year, I think he's just going to be a little bit more down to that, like, low-level all-star player. And just, like, Zach Levine is going to be the best player on the Bulls. And while Zach Levine is incredibly good, he's not a superstar. I'm sorry, Jared. Zach Levine is not a superstar. He's not the best shooting guard in the NBA, but um, Zach Levine just—I think he doesn't. He lacks an it factor because, like on paper, the dude should be incredible. He can shoot it from all over the floor. He can make crazy, unreal shots. He's so fast, such a good slasher, such a good dunker. On paper, offensively, he should be an unreal scorer, and he is. But it just feels like some games he just settles for shots way too much and just settles for stupid step-back threes or stupid, like, deep, like, 30-foot bombs for no reason. And then also, um, on the defensive side of the ball, Alex Crusoe is this defense. Like, Patrick Williams has the potential on defense, but, like, I feel like we haven't seen that yet, and Patrick Williams is just going to be kind of a, a question mark on this team in general. But um, Alex Crusoe is the only defensive player on this team worth talking about right now. And I think a lot of the, the, this team's defensive struggles rely on Vucevic being unable to play defense at all. And ha- and because room protection is the most valuable part of an NBA defense, not having Vuce be a good defender. He's a negative defender. He's slow on his feet. He's, he's, so he can't go out past the paint, really. And even when he's in the paint, he's not a vertical like a rim protector, and, like, I just hate him on defense. And just that just brings down this entire vibe on this team because defense is so important when it comes to the playoffs, especially on the inside, and they just have nobody there. But, yeah, Cooper, I'll let you take the stage now if you're ready.
0: Yeah, um, I also had the Bulls as my eighth-best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, Obviously, Damar and Zach are coming back. Uh, The Bulls is two superstars, best offensive players. Um, A lot of the main pieces for the Bulls are coming back from last season, except obviously you mentioned Lonzo Ball's injury. And you mentioned a lot of Lonzo's playmaking, but really why I think that Lonzo's injury is such a big, uh, just like contributing factor to the reason why the Bulls can't really be seen as a top contender is his defense. And you mentioned how... Their defense is really dependent on Alex Caruso. If Lonzo were to be healthy, I think that he would be easily the second best defender on this team. Um, I mean, really, uh, Patrick Williams, I think he can be that uh, force on the defensive end if he maybe like grows into that role this season. Um, Ayo Desumu, uh, who was just recently named the Bulls' starting point guard for this season. Um I think he can be a pretty solid defensive player. I mean, Javante Green plays scrappy, and he can get those loose balls and hustle on the defensive end. But really, yeah, I mean, the the Bulls aren't a great defensive team. I'm excited, personally, to watch a fully healthy Zach Levine. Um, He's come out and said publicly that injuries harbored him for a lot of last year, and he he got a fat, fat bag. This offseason. Um, he's gonna be yeah for sure. He's gonna be coming back fully healthy. I agree with you that he is gonna be the best player on this Bulls team. I mean, it's only natural for DeMar DeRozan to regress a little bit after that um, All NBA caliber season last year. Uh, as a Bulls fan personally, keeping keeping up with Bulls fans all around me, all around us, wherever Nikola Vucevic is just always who. Everyone, every single fan happens to rip on no matter what. And when the people are unified like that, there's, there's a definitely reason. a problem. There's yeah, a reason. Exactly. And personally, over the offseason, I thought that it would have been smart for the Bulls to maybe make a push for a guy like DeAndre Ayton, try and get him away from the Suns, trade Vooch and whoever else it was going to take. They didn't really do anything like that. They brought in Andre Drummond, who's still solid. He can be a solid center off the bench, all rebounds. He's definitely that rim protector piece that we need on the Bulls. But they just don't have that star center, star big man, star rim protector at all. And there's just no post defense whatsoever. And that was something that really, really dragged the Bulls down last year. And really, Fuchs offensively was pretty streaky as well, along with Kobe White, along with a lot of these bench pieces. However, the Bulls were the number one team in the East last year before all these injuries started hitting them. If Lonzo really is able to come back by around January, like some people, some uh, sources are saying he could, I could still see the Bulls making a playoff push, but without Lonzo, they're just not a true contender, as much as it pains me to say that.
1: But hey, Andre Drummond can shoot threes now.
0: Yeah, that was wild. I was so surprised when I saw that he was like three for three, four for four, something like that in the preseason. Yeah, game. I was like, like okay, what
1: the, like what the hell? Where'd that come from?
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah.
1: Um, moving on to yeah, our ninth, moving on to our ninth theme. You should probably, unless you got more to say. Um, no, no. That's good. Yeah, but moving on to our ninth theme, I have the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, and I think the Hawks like you've got Trey Young. He's gonna run his pick and roll. He's gonna be dominant. You've got like a dominant offensive player, but like with shitty defense and yeah. pretty horrible. Like he might be one of the, the worst horrible starters. He might be like the that. worst defender of any starter in the in the NBA. And like Trey Young, he's gonna be a good uh, offensive player. Throwing lobs to Clint Capello, John Collins, maybe Onyeka who's gonna get in there a little bit. I liked him in the draft personally. Um, and then you add in Dejounte Murray. And yeah, DeJounte Murray should pick up the defense there a little bit because DeJounte Murray is a good defender. But he's not like Alonzo Ball, Alex Crusoe, Marcus Smart level defender. So it's not going to be like that, that much of a difference. But anything is better than Trey Young and Kevin Herter being your two defensive guards. So they-, they should be better there. But also, going back to the Cavs, two ball dominant guards here as well in Atlanta. Like DeJounte Murray needs the ball in his hands. And same with Trey Young. So that's just going to be a little bit interesting to see how they work that out. But I think that they could be a pretty strong team. But like, it's just a little bit, just a little bit weird here. I'm not, I don't know. And they've got like seven good players, but I just don't think they have much depth overall on this team.
0: Yeah, um, I have the Hawks in the same spot as well. Um, I've seen a lot of hype around them for some reason that I don't really buy into at all. I think it's kind of like a mid-team, I would put, like mid-tier. Uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, obviously, Trey Young is dominant. He's really good. Um, DeJounte Murray, yeah, it was a bit of a confusing acquisition, in my opinion. Like, for the Cavs, I feel like it made sense because Donovan Mitchell is a proven all-star number one option. So, like, you can afford to have two ball dominant guards on the court at the same time. But DeJounte Murray, like, he's solid, but I don't think he's anything – that special. Um, Obviously, they still have Clint Capella. He's a great rim protector. John Collins can get his. um, On the offensive end, Bogdanovich is a pretty good shooter. He's a solid um, scoring option for them. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like I don't don't see the hype in the Hawks at all. Like, they're just meh.
1: Yeah, meh is the perfect word to describe the Atlanta Hawks. But moving on to number 10, um, I should probably put the New York Knicks here but I don't want to put the New York Knicks here. So I don't I'm like going to so put the Detroit Pistons just because I think that they're a fun team. I think that Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey are going to be a very fun team to just like... I think they're going to be a very, very fun com- combination. I think they're going to play off each other very well, and I'm going to be interested to see how they're going to grow together as players. And also, Sadiq Bay, I love you, Sadiq Bey. You were my favorite player in that draft class, <laughs> and you were, uh proving me... Proving me good, proving me well, uh, proving to me be a smart draft analyst. So there you yeah, go. Sadiq, Sadiq, yeah, finally get my words out. Um, but yeah, Sadiq Bay is Bay. I love Sadiq Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sadiq Bay, And I just get good vibes from this team all around, honestly. And I think they had a great draft getting Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. But honestly, this is more just me being, me being, uh, me
0: having a lot of fun with this team. Yeah, for sure. Um, for mine, uh, for my prediction for the 10th Fest team in the East, uh, I don't have the Knicks. I don't have the Pistons. Believe it or not, I have the Washington Wizards. Ooh. Um, that might seem a little bit uh, strange as a prediction, but when it's all said and done, they still have Bradley Beal, who's one of the best scorers in the entire NBA. Um, he's Him alone, I feel like, is a good enough player to get the Wizards to like the tenth spot in the East. I don't. I don't like the Knicks. The Knicks aren't very good, but um, I think Bradley Beal will be enough to drag this team to the play-in. and the rest of the roster really isn't that bad. I mean, they've got Kyle Kuzma, they've got Kristaps Porzingis, who they um acquired last year from the Mavericks. Uh, I think something to watch for them could be the development of um, young players like Denny uh, Abdija. I know I just butchered that. But I think it's fine. Denny Abdija. Okay, yeah, sure. That works. Um, Rui Hashimura and uh, Corey, Kispr- Corey Kispert um, who are all pretty young as well as um, their first round pick Johnny Davis who might be able to carve himself out a role <laughs> in this offense. I really think that the Wizards aren't that bad and obviously they're not like a Contender, I would say, but I think they'll make the play in. They could fight in for a top eight um, spot and actually make the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, I've got the Wizards.
1: Yeah, I like the reason why I mentioned the Knicks just briefly was because um, Tom Thibodeau, I think, is a very good coach. And you're going to have a decent defense when you have him as your coach, and bringing in um, the guard from Dallas. and am blanking on his name. Jalen Brunson. Um, Jalen Brunson. Yeah, Jalen Brunson had a very good year last year. I think bringing him in is gonna help a little bit. But like, they're just still just a meh team in general. They're actually below met. But like, I just I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Knicks paid a crazy amount of money to bring in Jalen Brunson to make the most like mid big three of all time. <laughs> I, <laughs> can you even, I don't can like you even the... call it a big three? It's a it's a mid three. It's a mid three. The mid three. You yeah. to see it. Um. Yeah, so uh that'll do it for us for our Eastern Conference uh best teams in the Eastern Conference from Back Five Topics. Thank you guys for watching.
1: Yep. Thank you.